On today's show, we take my favorite call of all time. It's heavy and it's hard, and we take a deep dive into generational trauma and what it looks like to be strong, courageous, stare down family legacy, and say, we're making changes starting now. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up? What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'm still getting dressed here. James is in a hurry. It's all about James. Hey, we're so glad you're here. If this is your first time listening to the show, you don't even know who James is. None of us do. Hey, this is a show about your mental health, your relationships, about life. We're so glad that you've joined us. We've got a packed house out there in the studio. And by packed house, we mean like four people. But it's so good to see see y'all. Oh, there's another guy over there. He's like, hey, he actually got out of the shot. Well played, man. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. If you want to be on the show, give me a shout at 1-844-693-3291 or go to johndeloney.com slash ask. johndeloney.com slash ask. So, hey, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And James? I'm doing great. So great that it's time for the conversation starter cards. We have them this time. So the, I get uh, the John pick. Deloney starter cards? Yes. The how to be human again? Yes. Half of them just say, ask me anything. So <laughs> but go very open-ended. But today's is, if you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Pez. Cherry-flavored Pez. No question about it. Just kidding. That's from Stand By Me. If you knew that, you'd be the greatest person ever. But I could tell by the look on your face, you didn't know You that. didn't really give me a whole lot of time to identify it. All right. What, what meal would you have? I would have Jasmine, my favorite Thai restaurant. I would have their soy sauce noodles with chicken and a spring roll. Two spring rolls. <laughs> he eats two spring rolls. That's pretty specific. And for the listener, yes, he does have severe OCD, and that's what we work with and live with. What about you, Kelly? Um, there is a restaurant here called Perry's that has these pork chops that is the best thing I've ever eaten. Yeah. By far. And normally I would have said steak, but these things are amazing. So it would have to be those pork chops. I think my la- my death row meal has always been and living the life that I grew up with. We always just kind of just in case, right? Um, I think I'd be a big crawfish boil, a big crab crawfish boil where they dump it out. And you just eat until you can't feel your face. And then in, in my scenario, they kill you after, <laughs> after that, right? But that's that's what I would do. Man, way to go. Way to go. Sounds like a Viking crawfish boil. <laughs> that's the kind I like. Viking crawfish boil and New Orleans crawfish boils are very similar. I think. So. But if we were on an island, we know that you would die, because. Yeah. So for <laughs> for you folks listening, the other day on the internet, somebody asked who would live the longest on a desert island: me, James, or Kelly. And clearly, there's no question about this. James and I at some point would fall asleep. At which point, Kelly would murder us in our sleep, and Kelly would win. You would live the longest. I, I don't deny any of that. <laughs> James would be the first to go. Well, uh, and there, would, there would be no record of us having ever existed because Kelly is so into murder, murder podcasts. <laughs> <We would, laughs> there would be none of you found. It would ever. just be, yeah, wiped off the face of the earth. Oh, good. Unless I'm glad. We, hey, we're starting off this podcast on a positive note. So that's so great. So good. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, where can people find these cards? Um, they're on the internets, right? They're on somewhere. I've got a paper here that tells us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen. Uh, we're, hey, we're actually, we had, we had the meeting yesterday, and I'm excited about this. 
They're going to be ready in time for the holidays. One for adult couples, one for um, grownups and kids, and then one for your families. Like when you go to wherever it is you're going to travel for the holidays, conversation cards that are going to help you. They're they're 100% politics and COVID-free. You're going to be able to have regular conversations or new ones that you haven't had in a year with people that you're going to be stuck with or that you choose to be with. Uh, it's going to be like, what's the worst boundary your mother-in-law has ever crossed with you in ever. the family one? And then it's going to have in parentheses, stare directly at your mother-in-law in her eyes. Go. Like that, right? But it's, it, man, it'll be awesome. You can go to conversation, text conversation to 33789, and I, I think there's like 20 of them in there that you can <laughs> practice being a human before you go meet with your mother-in-law or your kids or whatever. But go to text conversation to 33789, and then we are working these working on these cards, and we will have them out soon. I'm excited about that. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Sherry in Grand Rapids. Sherry, what in the world are you doing this morning? How are you? Good morning, John. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. And it is early bird there, so thanks for being up with us. So <laughs> what's up? How can I help? My mom is a child Holocaust survivor. She was born wow. in hiding, kind of born under a barn. And, you know, and at the time, you know, there's there's very little food. There's no medicine, no doctors, um, a ton of trauma and yeah. no psychiatric care. Right. So she's a refugee to the U.S. as a teenager. Um, and we really believe that she developed her, you know, some severe bipolar and some schizophrenic kind of manic delusional things from all that trauma. So she's, you know, fearful of, of soldiers and police and, and uh, you know, uh, Christian pastors and priests, those kinds of people. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, she was a pretty awful parent. Yeah. So we, we experienced, um, you know, the homelessness, the divorce, hunger, neglect, it was really extreme survivor behaviors. So fast forward, I'm now an adult. And I have her in, like, this adult supervised nursing home care. I have to care for her. She still has those manic delusions occasionally, and they are starting to scare my teenage daughters. Mm -hmm. I understand her trauma. I mean, that generational trauma, I I get why, but I have so much resentment, I think, maybe anger, that I I have to care for her. That Mm. even though she was, you know, this, this terrible parent, and I know why, though I'm just looking for suggestions for those of us that have these mentally ill parents that that maybe didn't care for us, but we are caring for now. Wow. That's man. Number one, thank you for your trust. That's a, that's a big one. Do you mind if we spend some time unpacking this? Yeah. Um, it was, man, it was a few months ago that a study came out and I, I don't even, I don't even know where the study is, so it may not even be real data, but um, that a number of high school kids, millions of high school kids, middle school kids across the country have no understanding They've got no reference point for the Holocaust. It's, it might as well be 500 years ago. It might as well be dinosaurs, right? And for me, when I saw this, I remember thinking, that's a shock because my granddad was involved in that. And that's just – that was the other day, right? Especially when you look on like a timeline of Earth. That was literally a few minutes ago. So walk us through the, the, the stories that you know, your mom's experience. She was born in a barn. So – Talk about what that occupation was like, what her childhood was like. And so my grandparents were in their young 20s, a newly married couple. They had a little daughter, and he was an accountant. And they were just living their life in an apartment like everyone else. In Germany, and, right? No, they were in the Netherlands. They had oh, been okay. occupied. 
okay. occupied by um, the Nazis had occupied. And they didn't, you know, they, nobody thought that someone, their neighbors were going to come for them. No one thought, and they wore their stars because they were slowly starting to require. And at one point, they were warned they're going to, you know, they're starting to round people up. You need to be prepared. And sure enough, they got a knock on the door and the story, you know, they ultimately were able to escape. My aunt went into hiding with other families. They always took the children separate from the parents to protect them. And my grandparents um, were hidden in several different places before landing on a farm with this really, really brave young Christian family, like in their 20s, had like a seven-year-old son. And they took in my family, knowing it would be certain death if they were found. Yeah, so just to, just to put in contact, care. so a Jewish family in hiding, they first had to start yeah. wearing stars, right? So to, to yes. know, they couldn't go to the stores. Like, walking on the street, everybody had to be able to point to them and say, we know who you are. And, well, and you couldn't, you weren't allowed to go to public schools anymore. You couldn't go to the to the, the theaters. You weren't allowed to have certain jobs. And, and eventually it became that almost everything was controlled. And then they just started rounding people up. And you have to understand if you like, so I would say right now, if, if we got a government mandate that I had to start wearing a star, my first thought would be, I'm just not going to do it. And we have, it's so far from the, where we live right now. You have to understand that anybody could stop you at any time and say, let me see your origin papers. And they could shoot you in the street if you didn't have your star on and just keep walking. Right. Um, it's a world that we can't even imagine right now. And I know it gets thrown around a lot. We have no, no picture, modern picture of this right now. And so then you move to, yeah, then that news starts tightening, literally. And um, like it starts to suffocate and then they start rounding people up. So then a family on a farm, as you mentioned, if Nazi soldiers came to a family farm and found that they were harboring, um, hiding Jewish families, they're executed on the spot, right? And their farms are just Everyone taken. would have been. And, you know, the, the butchers had to be in on it. The baker had to be in on it on these towns. These whole towns had to be so brave to mm. know that they were hiding. And so my mom is born there. So you have a baby. The soldiers would come periodically to, to take supplies or to, to search. And it was a very scary. And it was years of hiding like that. So you, I, I've heard of families, um, especially early on when COVID first started, and we just didn't have even a grasp of how big it was. And then a couple would find themselves pregnant and the fear they had, just how that discomfort. Imagine hiding out in a barn and people are actively hunting you. And then you find out you're pregnant, right? So your grandmother finds out she's pregnant and your mother, that maternal stress. And so what I'm trying to build is an arc here. There's a lot of emergent scholarship showing that uh, mental illness often starts with maternal stress in utero, right? And so imagine you're being hunted literally by your neighbors. You find out you're pregnant and you give birth to a baby in a barn, right? And then walk us through there. So your mother, your mother's born is an infant. And imagine people knocking on the door to come search your house. And you've got an infant that you can't tell whether they're going to scream or they're going to cry or they need to have their diaper changed, right? So you're trying to live that life. And then your mother grows up how? The... They had to figure out who was still alive, what families there. They had to find their their first daughter that they had put in hiding, and and the, you know, there my grandparents they lost almost every brother and sister. They lost all their parents, and they found that they had two nieces that survived that had been hidden, and so now they went from a family that they had just been a family of one, and now they became they found their other daughter. They had two nieces. They had my mom, and 
there's still no job. There's no transportation. There's still anti-Semitism. So they had to find housing, and there was this constant fear that they were coming back. Yeah, it, and, yeah, it and, and, and pause on that. It wasn't over. Imagine having a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And I, I've got to, I'll do it with just me. I got a 10-year-old right now. I got 11. He's 11 and a five-year-old. And imagine me and my wife are being hunted in our own neighborhood, and I have to take my 11-year-old and my five-year-old and give them to another family just in case we're caught. They won't kill all of us. And this isn't just a few people. This is millions and millions of people. And so I don't know where my kids are. There's no texting. There's no email. I just have to give them to somebody else and hope they've got a better shot than I do. I just can't wrap my head around that. My son just came home from camp after being gone for a week. And the first day was pretty awesome. You know what I mean? I didn't have to give anybody any snacks. And then the second day was kind of cool, you know. And then by day three and four and five, like, we're all kind of moping around the house, missing our son. There's a, there's a key part, you know, there's a key member of our, of our crew that's gone, right? Can you imagine handing them off and saying, best of luck, and I hope I see. I just can't wrap my head around. And suddenly your parents, when this thing's quote unquote, supposedly over, which who trusts anybody at this point, right? Your neighbors have been hunting you. And then there's an announcement. It's all over. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. So your parents, your mother is a toddler here. She finds she's, they're just trying to round up and just connect families any way you can. There's no way to get food. There's no jobs, no anything. And when do they... So that she grows up like this, right? Where are we going to get food? Where are we going? To, what are we going to do? Thinking of the stress yeah. of parents, then what? It took them a few years to to be able to find housing to get stable, and then my grandfather insisted that he wanted to move to America, and then mm. we had they started the immigration process, which takes a quite a few years, and then you once again you have to sell everything, yeah, and you have to leave everything behind. And you have language barriers and, and knowledge and education barriers. And so the entire family got on a boat, one of the last generation to sail into New York to see the Statue of Liberty. And my mom was 12 and on a boat coming to America with no English and, 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 and this idea, all over again. We don't know what's over there, but it has to be better than here. So everybody grab a bag and we're getting on a boat and we're just heading, quote unquote, that away. And we have to remember, there was no Google, there was no maps, there was no books. It, you're, you're talking about getting on a boat and going just somewhere. We don't like moving to a new town, right? Like, what, what, what church are we going to go to? What friends are we going to have? What movie theaters are, how close is public's going to be? You're talking about millions of people who got on a boat and just said, wherever there is, is better than here, right? And what, 12, 12-year-old? Man, so you take all that stress, all of that, and that's not just stress like, hey, dad got laid off. It's stress like like we said, your neighbors are hunting you, and now we're just going to leave our land. We're going to show up to a strange place. Um, we don't speak the language. We don't know any of the, the quote-unquote cultural rules. We know none of these things. And then what? Then they settle in, and then like many immigrant families, they just went to work hard, right? That's exactly right. The older kids, you know, that six, the older um, aunt cousins were – 16 and they went to work and my grandfather went and found a job and uh, the younger kids, there's another kid by this point and they tried to go to school, tried to assimilate and you just did the best you could. And you, you know, some of them, no one talked about 
trauma. No one talked about uh, no one talked about it at all. It was not no one looked at the past. It was too hard and too tough, yeah, and everyone be. just kind of went their ways. So let's fast forward here. So your mom has you. You got brothers and sisters. I have two older brothers. Two older brothers. So there's three of you. And did your mom get married? She find somebody she loved. How did that work out? She she really kind of ran. So she found someone, um, you know, an atheist, someone, who, and he. We moved to the middle of you know, really far away from from her family, out kind of in the middle of nowhere, and. Uh, you know, they, they were very volatile. She, you know, she obviously had mental illness back then. Um, and he had alcohol problems. So they, they had this very tumultuous, it really was pretty bad. And they ultimately divorced, um, when I was 12. So at this point she mentally ill, she doesn't have job skills. She is still English is still not her first language. And, uh, there's no support structure partially because, She's afraid of, of course, everything uh, of the government. She's afraid yeah. of, you know, I was going to be taken away. She was afraid, you know, and the, the boys ended up kind of doing their own thing and they were a little older than me and they went off and became very adult very quickly of on their course. own with other people. And I, you know, became to some extent her cohort, her, um, her caretaker, you know, as we, we should, you know, she had some serious survivor's abilities. I mean, so she would manipulate men to, to have a place to stay and, and to have money. And she would, you know, we would uh, go from church to church looking for, you know, um, food and, and aid. And, you know, we would always be on the go because she was afraid they would take me away. Yeah. So, she, you know, if people found out how we were living or, you know, we didn't have money or we were sleeping in our car. And, and she would steal or she would lie or she would do. And then she would just have these manic episodes where she was so afraid of the police and some people coming to get her, um, the paranoia. So she was, a, she was a tough parent, right? She was oh, not. Oh gosh. A, you grew up in a, parent. you grew up in a swimming pool of trauma, right? I mean, it, I, I can imagine if you've, have you ever taken the ACEs, the adverse childhood experiences scale? I have you ever did. taken that? I did. What are you, seven or eight? I'm a seven. Seven, yeah. And you know what that means for you downstream, right? I do. I know that there's going to be some potentially serious. And, and I I know I have, I'm have. i going to have health issues no matter what, probably because of generational trauma. And I'm trying very hard not to pass that to my kids. I'm trying to be informed. Yeah. Well, and so uh, we can talk about that here in a minute. Um, there's some context, but it there is some... Um, healing that can happen. Right. So it's, it's not, um, it's, you're on a track, but it's not predetermined. Right. Which is cool. That's the beauty of this stuff that the, the earlier you see it and the earlier you find it and the, the, the more healing you're a part of, um, the, the, you can change some of those things. Um, so you grow up in the situation. How do you end up a stable mom? I, what in the world did, how did you end up here? MS, I'm, we're always asked that, and I think our families were so bad, were so dysfunctional, that we looked around for who had it right and what we really wanted and how different we wanted it to be. So I really, really focused in on school mm. and made sure that I was getting out and getting in and going to college. And I watched people that I saw, you know, and, and this is silly, I watched sitcoms. How might families interact? How right. might this work? Um, and then you watch other people that you see in, around, you know, other families and how do they talk to each other. And then I read a lot, a lot of books on kind of how maybe families and people should interact. Yeah. 
But you, you just described to me very intellectual exercises. You read a lot. You watched a lot. That's different than putting this into practice. Something you, you chose a different life in a very difficult set of circumstances. How did you do that? I emotionally, I, I'm, I don't know that I have a great answer. I can tell you that I, I came across this really nice guy when I was just starting off for college Mm. and I ended up marrying him and he's stable and he's caring and his family is, you know, wonderful and great examples. And I am blessed to have had some great friendships Mm. that were around me. So I may not have had family support, um, but I definitely didn't have any other adult, but I had friends and men had some really strong friendships and then a very strong, uh, caring boyfriend slash husband. So a hundred percent of the time when somebody makes a transition out of the life circumstance you have and yours is bananas, right? Yours is one that, that, um, is not the norm, but when you, if, if we back it way up, right. And we look at kids who grew up in tumultuous relationships or in the home of an addict, which you did both, or the home of a parent with mental illness, which you did, home of abuse, and we could probably go down that rabbit hole and you've seen and experienced that, and, 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 a hundred percent of the time, healing starts and begins with relationships. Somebody, somewhere, some group, some community, somebody, they find, they get connected to, right? Whether it's some cute guy that you ended up marrying, well played, by the way, and he won the lottery marrying you and a group of friends. And then that starts a healing process. That's in your body can finally start to turn down those trauma alarms that says you're disconnected, which is awesome. So you find yourself here. How old are your kids now? I have 16 year old twins. <laughs> you know what? Cause why not? Six. Why not? Cause why not, man? What do you do for a living? I'm a bank manager. What about your husband? What does he do? IT. So we're vanilla. I was gonna say, you, someone would just see you in the grocery store and they'd look at your twins and go, "Wow, you that was pretty tough." And you'd just smile at them and go, "Oh, honey, you have no idea." That's very true. They have no idea. Wow. And 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 that's okay because the goal is to have the kids understand but not live it yeah and that's that's the hard trick and it and it's hard to separate because she's you know the they want to hear the stories they don't want to hear the stories and sometimes mm-hmm. i'm not ready yeah. to to or not sure that they even should hear which parts of this still hang on to you meaning regardless of the amount of work you do there is still parts of your body that are scanning the environment 24-7, 365. And that end up, um, if you have a legacy of childhood trauma like you experienced, that ultimately is the, um, I hate using mechanical analogies, but that's ultimately the what's got to be turned down, right? That's what causes long-term body inflammation that over time just wears your body out, right? Because it's scanning 24-7, it never rests. Um, what are the things that still pop up in your life that you have to be vigilant about? I find that I want desperately to teach my kids survival for their life Mm. and maybe a little bit more than other parents for their age. So um, I have to tone down to make sure that they still have that childhood and I'm not 
over preparing um, that 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 desperate need to make sure they have a knowledge of how to live and survive. You know, that survival instinct apparently still continues. My de- I'm very focused on money and caring for and making sure stability for food. And, and I, yeah. I always fight a food battle because we were hungry a lot. And then making sure that monetarily, even though we've done well, we followed Dave Ramsey's plan, mm-hmm. we've done well, it's still hard to always feel that safe enough. Yeah. 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 Feel that safe. That safety, I think is always something I got to work on. So it doesn't surprise me at all that someone who has worked really hard to heal and to change their entire family tree becomes a banker, stable (laughs) control, right? There is a spreadsheet that I can know. Is that, are those numbers on this side of the ledger, red or black, right? It's, it is, it, it's a beautiful testament to how you've wrapped up the world and said, I'm going to control what I can control. And in those tendencies, I, I bet there's moments of peace when you have a full refrigerator, right? Or every month when you get that email that says your check has been automatically deposited, I would almost be willing to bet if we had a, a heart tracker on you that your body would settle for a second, Whew, right? And then over time, it slowly ramps back up until two weeks later when you get that next check and you go, Right. And it's working on that constantly over time. Golly, you're incredible. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the situation you find yourself in, which is how do you care for a mom who was a, played a significant role in your childhood trauma? And you got a context. You know where her trauma comes from. And still, whew, that's a fireball, right? So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the Dr. John Deloney Show. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the most common questions I get on my show is how do you get something off your chest, right? Like a deep secret that you've never told anyone. Or maybe it's something that happened to you. Or maybe it's something you've done that you're ashamed about or worried because you know bringing this to light is going to cause disruption across your life. All of us, every single one of us, have things both big and small that we need to get off our chest from time to time. And I say this all the time, secrets will kill you, but it's often so hard to know where to start. If you need to get something off your chest and you don't have a safe person to talk to, you may want to try therapy. Therapy is a safe, effective place to get things off your chest, to learn how to say scary and hard things out loud, and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I have personally been blessed to have a great therapist who I can talk to and who helps me get those heavy things off my chest. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, it's super flexible, and it's suited to fit your schedule, whatever your schedule happens to be. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra money. Listen, it's time to get those secrets off your chest. Start with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Deloney today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Deloney. All right, Sherry, we're back. Hey, first, thank you just for talking about your childhood. I know that's not a super fun thing to do early in the morning on a, on a whatever day this happens to be. So now we're going to fast forward. You... Just to recap, you grew up in the home of a Nazi Holocaust survivor. Your mom was born in a barn 
to grandparents who were hiding because they were being hunted by their neighbors. They were being hunted by the police officers, those who were supposed to protect them and serve them. They ultimately went from house to house and had to reconnect with whoever happened to be still alive. Then over time, they just said wherever there is is better than here. They got on a boat, immigrated to America. America was a welcoming place in that there was a port, but they didn't know the language. They didn't have jobs. Um, Jewish immigrants were treated like garbage when they got here. Um, and your parents and your your dad went to just work, right? You just went to work and had cousins that tagged along. And then your mom's born in this mess, and she's got some significant mental health challenges. She always has. She's She demonstrated what I would call normal survival behavior, which is going from relationship to relationship and always trying to make sure there's food. And that turns into some pathological behaviors. And then you and your brothers are born into this and you're raised in a very traumatic household with addiction and abuse and go on and on and on. And then your mother is in, how old is she now? 76. Okay. So she's getting to the end here and she's got some health challenges and you are responsible for taking care of her and giving her twilight years of respect and dignity. And it's, wearing on your soul. Tell me about that. It's hard to to care for someone that didn't care for you. Yeah. And 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 we often say that she's very nice, but she's, you know, in that crazy form of nice. She she does everything she can to not acknowledge past. Right. Not just, you know, childhood, but everything. So then but that includes my childhood. There is no stories of when I was younger. There is no reminiscing. I am a caretaker to her. I exist. And so I didn't have the mom that I see my mother-in-law being, and I didn't have the, or that I want to be for my daughters. And there's, it's hard because she wants connection quite regularly. And I don't have feel that connection in the way, and other people can't imagine that. They assume everyone loves their mother, everyone loves and everyone. And I have some cultural and religious obligations that to care for her, but that resentment is so strong. And I'm, she just had a, a manic delusion where she, you know, she just lost some her connection to reality recently and called the police to the nursing home to say that the aides were fighting. So, you know, I was hoping she doesn't get kicked out of places for some of these delusional right. um, behaviors. So she's she's very nice. So she's very mentally ill, and it's now that my daughters, I've asked them to help a little bit, and I'm realizing that that's really scary. What's normal to me is very scary to them. Right. Whew. So how far do you want to dig in here? Uh, l- let me ask you the, the overarching question is, how can I help? When you have individuals, there's probably, there's got to be thousands and thousands of people that have mentally ill parents. Mm-hmm. And that really isn't something we talk about. We don't really discuss that. And maybe some how how do I reconcile that that feeling of resentment and to be able to to take that logic of understanding their trauma and be more compassionate and more empathetic? Mm. How do I build that empathy back? Great question there. Um, so a couple of things here. Number one, I would let the the 
It's necessary, it's normal, and it can wear you out. I would let go any trying to put puzzle pieces together of an origin story here. Okay? The Well, I think the, the schizophrenia came from here and the bipolar... I would let that past part go. Because all it does is it, it adds mental anguish. It adds bricks in your backpack that are unnecessary. Right now, you found yourself here. And... Have you ever have you ever sat down and forgiven your mom? Have you gone through a process I, to just forgive your mom? I don't think I have. No. I don't think you have either. And when you're you're carrying that around, you're carrying around the fact that your mom stole your childhood. You're carrying around the fact that your childhood didn't. Every time you're around your husband's family, you both love it, and it pisses you off because you should have had that and you didn't. And every time your mother-in-law's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah, time you're with her, it's incredible because you get that maternal care that you never got and it burns a hole in your soul because you should have got it, right? Is that right? Yeah. You're right. Sherry, you should have had a mother who loved you. You should have had a mother who looked you in the eye and said you have value and she hugged you a lot and she was stable and you never had to worry about food and you didn't. But the problem now is you're still carrying that resentment and you mentioned it like, how do, man, how do I get out of this resentment? The, the easiest way to get out of resentment is forgiveness and forgiveness is hard. And you're right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a the survivor of a Holocaust. It doesn't have – what I would tell you is this. Even if there was not the legacy of trauma that your mom endured, because we can look at this and say, yeah, I can see that totally, right? Um, even if your mother was just mean. She just grew up in a normal house in Alabama, and she just grew up mean and treated her kids like trash. You, as a 45-year-old or a 40-year-old or however old you are, you carrying that – does not affect your mom in any way. It just affects you. And it just affects your kids. And it just affects your marriage. And so the day you decide, I'm not going to carry that. I'm not going to carry her stuff anymore. This happened to me. It will always be something I wish was different. And then I'm going to put a period at the end of that. And then I'm going to write the next sentence going forward. And that sounds so trite. But if you think of it, literally, what I would love for you to do is to go out, get a buy a cinder block, like at Home Depot or something, and write it down. Write on, like maybe put duct tape on there or something that you can write some things on that block. And I want you just to carry it around your house for a while. Like physically hold it. And then I want you to go out in the yard and just set it down on the ground. And there's some sort of physical representation here. Like I'm not going to carry what my mom did or didn't do for us as chi as children and trying to figure it out and understand it. You can't understand that sort of evil and madness of Nazi occupation. And if, if you're listening to this show and you're like, well, I don't know. I want you to go read about it because Nazis get thrown around a lot these days. <laughs> Most people have no idea the depth of evil that was going on. And, um, but there's something for you just to set it down. And then Man, there's a couple of things you've mentioned here. Can you can you forgive her? Maybe you can't. Can you? I I think she deserves it. No, hold, uh, to do for, it. Forgiveness is for you. 
Forgiveness is a decision on your part that I'm not going to carry this anymore. And I think I, I deserve it then. Yeah, there you go. I think you do too. I think on the scope of, um, like while we're, while, while, I don't know when this episode will come out, but while we're filming it, we're in the middle of the Olympics, right? We talk about heroes and rock stars and look at these extraordinary people. Nobody will understand the depth of extraordinary heroes until they've sat in your shoes. Because you stared down a forest fire of generational trauma and you said no more. And when somebody does that, they usually end up with third degree burns all over themselves, but their kids don't. And that's you. That's my greatest wish. It's not a wish. You're doing it. You're doing it right now. What would be extraordinary? Your daughters are 16? Yeah. They're old enough. They're old enough to have conversations. Whether that's watching, taking them and doing something like watching Schindler's List together or um, taking them and reading a book and then just saying, hey, here's, here's where grandma grew up. And this is how generational trauma works. And this is where we find ourselves. And you could walk them through the ACEs test that you took. And you don't have to be graphic. At some point when they're in their 20s or 30s, they're going to want to know where they came from. And some of those stories, as you're able to talk about them, you can. But this is part of their generation, too. This is part of their legacy, too. And, man, what a gift. You want to talk about a gift you give your kids? Is watching them, watch, watch, letting them watch you go through the forgiveness process. I'm putting it down. I'm going to set this down. I'm not going to carry it. And then they get to see, here's what dignity and respect look like. Because at some point, yes, your mom needs care. She does. But more than that, you need to care for your mom. And you know that. And I think that's what's killing you. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you could not care for your mom. No, I can't. There you go. And revenge, what is it? Revenge neglect is not a thing. You won't feel good, right? That would perpetuate your family trauma further. To say, you were mean to me, mom. I'm not caring for you. I'm going to turn you over to government resources and best of luck to you. You know what I mean? And I, I, I know they are psychotic delusions that she's experiencing when she calls the police and thinks the police are coming to get her. She's also seen that with her own eyes. And that's a different level of delusion. Does that make sense? Yes. She's got traumatic memories in her body and her brain and in her heart and in her mind and in her spirit. She's seen those things. And so it's, it's like when you, if you were to be in the woods and a tiger jumps out 20 years later, if you flinch every time you see a shadow, I can say, man, that's crazy. What are you doing? But I also understand, Right. And so I, trying to classify, is that a delusion? Is that create? Man, whew, I'm just going to put that mental energy down. I'm just not going to carry that stuff around anymore. But I want you to forgive your mom. I think you, I love that you said that you deserve to forgive your mom. You deserve to not carry this anymore. And then you deserve to teach your daughters, here's what dignity looks like for me, for my children, for my family, and for my mom. And every time you think, 
I should have had this as a kid. You can go, yeah, I should have. And I'm going to make sure my daughters get it, right? And that way you don't stew on that thing. You don't ruminate on what you missed. There's a period at the end of that sentence because you can't go back and edit it. You can't go back and change it. So ruminating on it doesn't do anything other than send your body back into fight or flight, back into anger, back into frustration. And I love, I've completely shifted my definition of trauma based off Peter Levine's work and Bessel van der Kolk's work. Trauma isn't what happened. It's not the bad, ugly stuff that happened in our past. It's our body's remembering of those things in the present. And so when you think about what happened to you as a kid and your heart rate takes off on you, that's the trauma. That's what you're looking to heal. That you can remember those things and your heart rate doesn't pick up on you. That you're, that that's healing the ACEs stuff, right? That's healing the adverse childhood experiences that your body doesn't respond in an inflamed state anymore because I'm not carrying that crap around anymore. Yep, that happened. That's a fact. And then there's a period because we're creating something new. Do you think you can do that? I can. I can do it. I 100% know you can. And there will come a season when you'll make meaning of this. That's not today, but you'll make meaning of this. Here's what I would love. It'd be an honor. I'd love for you to sit down with your daughters and talk about that cinder block, put some masking tape on it or some duct tape on it and write it down. I'd love for you to take a picture of that and email it to us. Okay. I can do that. Write down the things that should have happened that didn't happen. Here's what it was like growing up with mom. And I think it's not bad for your grandmother, I mean, for your mom to scare your daughters a little bit. Not terrorize them, right? And if she's swinging at them or screaming at them, I mean, that's scary. But I think it's okay for them to to see mom's not well. And here's what I'm going to do in light of that. Oh, my gosh. You're talking about changing generations? That's it. And you are standing in the gap. You asked for none of this. You deserve none of this. But here you are. And if the world had more people like you willing to stand in the gap and saying, I didn't cause this, but I'm in it, and I'm going to turn the page, the whole world shifts, Sherry. You're one of the bravest, most extraordinary women I've ever had the opportunity to talk to, and I am grateful that you have blessed me and this audience for telling your story. Man, and what's cool about you is your story is still getting rolling, right? Yeah, absolutely. What a gift. Thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing with us. Take a picture of that brick. Spend some time carrying it around. Maybe even have your daughters carry it for a minute. Maybe even your husband is involved in this thing. But this is a family event where we're forgiven grandma. And then we're going to decide how we're going to take care of her, how we're going to love her. We're not going to live in resentment. We're going to choose to not live in resentment. Because all resentment does is burn your house down. Nobody else's, right? And then we're going to talk about Here's what dignity and respect looks like for all of us moving forward. Wow, you're incredible. Thank you so, so much for your call, for your heart. I can't wait to get that picture. I'm not even sure that picture to my family. That's incredible. Sherry, you're a saint. Thank you so, so much for your call. Hey, as we wrap up today's show, um, we took a longer time with that one. That was a deep dive call, and um, there's a lot there. If you don't know about the horrors of Nazi Germany— Go get a book and read. Don't Google it. Go get some books. There's plenty of them. You will stop throwing that around. That was a harrowing, evil time in our world's history. And it will also help you be vigilant about what the history looks like moving forward. 
And if you are with people in your life, whether your parents were addicts or whether they were overweight or whether they got fired a lot or whatever, what I'll tell you as an adult, you're 20 year old, you're 35, you're 45, you're 65 listening to this show. Carrying that around does nothing but burden. And there is healing from that. There is peace from that. And it is more complicated often than just dropping a brick down in your yard. I get that. Many people need to go to therapy, go to counseling, go to betterhelp.com slash Deloney. You can pick up, you can, if you can't find a counselor, you can find a trauma counselor. Relationships, relationships, moving your body, sleep, all these things, right? They all work together, but you can heal. And you can reverse some of this ACEs trajectory where that is going to guarantee you have a higher rate of, of physical harm and cancer and strokes and heart attacks and all those kind of things. You can turn the corner on those things. But it starts with you saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to carry this around anymore. I'm going to forgive because I deserve it. I'm not going to live in resentment. And we're going to go be about healing. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. All right. As we, as we get out of here, man, what perfect song, perfect song for today off the born and raised record out in 2012. It's one of my favorite songs in the world. John Mayer's song, The Age of Worry. And it goes like this. Close your eyes and clone yourself and build your heart an army to defend your innocence while you do everything wrong. Don't be scared to walk alone and don't be scared to like it. There's no time that you must be home, so sleep where darkness falls. Alive in the age of worry, smile in the age of worry. Go wild in the age of worry and say, worry, why should I care? Dream your dreams, but don't pretend. Make friends with what you are. Give your heart, then change your mind. You're allowed to do it because God knows it's been done to you and somehow you got through it. Sing out in the age of worry. Say, worry, why should I care? Right here on Dr. John Deloney's show.